Alrighty, welcome to the Celtics Lab Podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. I'm your host for today, Cameron Tippett-Tobai. I'm joined by Dr. Justin Quinn. Alex sends his regards. He's moving. Literally the worst thing you could do in the developed world. He's moving apartments across cities, so we wish him all the best. And instead, we're going to welcome in our guests. You know him from Boston Globe. You know him from Boston.com. You know him from Celtics Blog. It's Trevor Haas. Trevor, how are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Anytime. Yeah. We were just chewing the fat off air. Trevor, you cover all sorts of sports um, up and down the Commonwealth, whereas we mostly just cover basketball. So you've had a pretty busy summer, whereas Justin and I are trying to make it look like we're staying busy, <laughs> which incidentally means we're quite busy. Um, in this episode, Trevor, we're going to talk to you about some of the news. We always start with the news, some free agent workouts, some stuff with Paul Pierce and Jason Datum, uh, Chris Tepps, Porzingis' foot. And then in the lab portion of the programming, we're going to make some predictions for this upcoming season, who maybe could win what awards or team awards or yada, 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 all that good stuff. So that is our roadmap. And let's just jump into it. The, there is news technically, although it's probably a nothing burger. Basically, Chris Porzingis recently spoke about his foot injury. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know, he had plantar fasciitis, which is keeping him out of FIBA World Cup. But it seems like he and the Celtics struck an accord where he said, hey, I have this. It's something I'm aware of. And they said, why don't you not? It wasn't like he stepped on something and suddenly his foot doesn't work. It was a very preventative thing. Trevor, I'll go to you first. What's your level of concern, if at all, with the Porzingis stuff? Yeah, I'll put it at like a three or a four. I'm not overly concerned. I think, you know, if this were game seven in the finals, he'd be out there. No problem. Might be in a little pain and discomfort, but he would play. It's more just precautionary and just kind of, you know, see what happens, test things out. He's still going to Lafayette or to, uh, to to support Lafayette there, which is pretty cool. I think that's a good commendable trade for a teammate. Um, so I, I think, you know, I think it's fine now. If it gets to the point where it's October, November, December, then you could be concerned. But at the moment, I think it's just kind of a, you know, wait and see kind of deal and let him let him see what happens then as long as he's healthy for the playoffs and obviously part of the regular season, that would be great. Justin, what about you? About the same. Uh Plantar fasciitis, particularly in big men, is never something to take lightly. But I mean, it's also something that if managed can be dealt with, uh, except for in pretty rare situations. Jalen had it last year. I think Malcolm Brogdon has had it. Uh, it's it's something that comes and goes with people. And as long as you take care of it and are proactive, as he seems to be doing, it isn't something to worry about in and of itself, as long as you have the time to recover, which it seems like he does. So, Yeah, it's a pretty common injury. I feel like all of us on this call know people who have or have had flare-ups yeah sucks um, yeah i also wonder by the way we're recording this friday morning and canada just beat the pants off of france um i didn't mean to rhyme but that worked uh i do wonder if this was olympics and not world cup if porzingis would have a different tone here but um let's stick with big men but so but i guess anyways to, to summarize i don't think we're nervous about porzingis let's stick with big men for a second Blake Griffin is not technically a member of the Boston Celtics. Kind of the accepted dogma right now is that if he's going to sign with the Celtics, it'll be after training camp. So he doesn't have to do all of that. Um, he did recently just really praise the Celtics. He was at like a golf event and he said how much he loves playing for the fans in the city of Boston. Uh, reports suggest that he has suitors in the Golden State Warriors and in the Sixers and then maybe the Clippers. Trevor, um, do you think the Celtics will bring back Blake, and do you think they should? 
Yeah, I think, you know, at a minimum, he comes in and he's a guy who helps the, the locker room a great deal. I think everyone there respects him. You could see that last year. Uh, it's hard for a, you know, even a veteran to come in right away and, you know, be the, be a great leader. But I think he really did that and complimented Al really well as kind of the bigs who were guiding everyone in the right direction. So I think even if you don't plan to play him too much, it's still beneficial. And then I actually think he should play more. I, I think they didn't really play him enough last year. I think you have the guy who's been around the block. He's seen some things. He's won some games. So I think they should have played him more personally. But and if they do plan to play him, then I think it's a no-brainer. But in the back of my mind, I kind of feel like he's going to Golden State. I don't know why. I just feel like that would be mm-hmm. kind of a fit. I feel like Chris Paul is going there. I don't know if they're still on good terms. But theoretically, if they are, we kind of reunite there. And I, I, I don't know. I just kind of see that happening. But we'll see what happens. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Um, I kind of like that. That, this is like sacrilegious on a Celtics podcast. I like the Warriors quite a bit. So Me too. Uh, that's that's interesting. Um, yeah, Forsberg on the Winning Place podcast recently had a, a a point raised where basically, look, if the Celtics are going to invest in Pritchard and Cornette and Hauser, Blake Griffin was their shepherd last year. And so bringing him back would benefit them as much as perhaps, you know, he could be a rotation guy. Um also, this front court is not exactly the, uh, shall we say, sturdiest. And if they were to add the wing, which I th- imagine we're about to talk about uh, a bit as well, uh, that I think they're going to add, then they would have yet another person who has injury issues. Yeah, that, that sets up how I was going to transition this. So what we want to talk about is Boston has had a bunch of workouts with um, some veteran wing slash ball handler kind of players which suggests they're not looking necessarily to add to the front court, at least by way of free agency right now, unless maybe it's Blake. And just for anyone playing the home game, you have Chris Porzingis and his plantar fasciitis. You have Al Horford, who doesn't play back-to-backs. You have Rob Williams, who, you know, the track record is not super clean. You have Luke Cornett, who is the tallest. The sturdiest big. American-born, <laughs> yeah, the sturdiest big. Um, and then maybe you have Blake. So personally speaking, I have doubts about Boston's front court. However, the Celtics, again, have brought in four wing-ish, like two, three guys. Uh, Lewis King, TJ Warren, Lamar Stevens, and Glenn Robinson the third. We don't know at the time of this recording, and the way podcasts work is, I bet in an hour we'll know, but for now, we don't know. Um, who, if any, Boston fancies in that quartet? Trevor, who, if any, of that quartet do you fancy? I fancy TJ Warren. Um, obviously, the injuries are the big concern, long-term and short-term. I think we've seen it over the years. He's been great when he's on the court. I was looking at his stats in preparation for this, and he averaged 20 points per game one year, and he shot 50% in his career, just like straight up 50% shooter from the field, which is pretty remarkable for a guy his size. You see that from bigs, but not really from forwards too much. So that's commendable. Um, I think he's a guy who would fit personnel-wise with Boston, and I also think he'd fit uh, locker room-wise. I think he's a guy who would come in and average, you know, eight to 10 points per game, shoot 45, 50%, get three or four rebounds and go home and, you know, help them win. So I think if he, they feel like he's healthy enough, obviously the health, like we said a couple of times already is the big concern, but if he is healthy enough, I see that as the best fit personally. Yeah, I actually agree with you. The fact that he's six foot eight is another interesting Mm -hmm. thing. Lewis King also stands out to me. I think he's six foot seven. Uh, They need someone who can, Definitely play the four, at least some. And some of the other names uh, that we were talking about in uh, Lamar Stevens, uh, Glenn Robinson, if you had a very small ball lineup, I guess you mm-hmm. could squint and see it, but nah. I guess uh, the the only reason I would have pause on TJ Warren is t- his 
not very good performance with the Suns this past postseason, but one postseason series does not make, you know, a player's reputation. Um, I am quite curious about Glenn Robinson's on-ball defense. I think he's a tremendous defender. I don't know if the Celtics need that the most or if Joe Mazzulla prioritizes that the most, but it would be interesting to me if, like, you've got Peyton Pritchard in your uh, guard rotation to also have Glenn Robinson. Um, We have a poll going on our Celtics Lab Twitter page that will probably be done by the time people hear this podcast, but I'll still reference it. 69% of respondents so far are siding with TJ Warren. So do with that what you will. Also follow us on Twitter for as long as it exists and uh, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. How's that? Um, okay, so we we won't know Boston. Uh, I think increasingly we... Well, someone correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think that they're going to have 15 signed players to start the season. Um, if they do, I think that the 15th man is going to be on a mostly or totally non-guaranteed contract for the rest of the season uh, till the, to the guarantee date, basically. Uh, just because they're going to want to have that flexibility. Trevor, any, anything you would correct with that? Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed. That's guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. It absolutely is. The app is easy to use, and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston. Kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Game sets ma.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends 9-18-23. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account, a current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. Subscription renews. Cancel anytime. Did up. <laughs> yeah. So let's expect Boston to sign one more person, either from these workouts or something else. They could maybe sign another, but they might. It might not be a bonanza of you know signings as training camp approaches. Two, we should note that uh, Luke, speaking of Cornet, is on a non-guaranteed contract. I think it guarantees near the start of the season, though. So there is a possibility mm-hmm. they could let go of him if somebody particularly sexy comes along. But I doubt they will because of the reasons we talked about with the front court. Yeah, and it would free up a little bit of money, but not a meaningful amount of money, I don't think. Um, Back to the point about Cornet, I feel like he's kind of like the guy you can trust. Like if, if they have Porzingis, if they have Horford, if they have Williams, if they have whoever, then that's great. And then you have Cornet as your 11th, 12th guy. But then if you have those guys out... You have Cornette to come in as your seventh or eighth guy, and he's reliable. He's not going to knock your socks off, but he'll play good basketball and help you win. So I think that's kind of the way they look at it, in my opinion. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, he's huge. He rebounds well. He doesn't need touches, I don't think. He can um, party. He can party. That's 
Yeah. Um, apparently, Nikola Jokic can party. I don't know if you guys have seen that clip. But this team I saw having... video posted. He's like twice their size. <laughs> That's unbelievable. He must be having such a good summer. Okay. Um, a few other things in news, and then we'll make our predictions for next season. It's off-season crap, but it's fun. Um, Jason Tatum worked out with Paul Pierce, and then he worked out with uh, Jalen Brown. We're getting some good Tatum content out in what I think is Los Angeles. Um, does it matter? I mean, it's good conversation fodder for the, for the two. I mean, Paul went through a lot of the things that Tatum's going through now, uh, but with a better supporting cast behind him. So hopefully that's helpful. Oh, actually, can I push back on that? I think yeah, sure. Paul Pierce's early career probably codes better for Jalen Brown and Kevin Garnett codes better for Jason Tatum just because Garnett was a star and no one really doubted his bona fides. Um, whereas Pierce, it was like conventional wisdom. Like, is he good enough? Is he happy? Should he leave? But um, they both had garbage, uh, not garbage, not sufficiently good rosters behind them. I don't want to offend anybody. No, I think, I mean, it's uh, <laughs> a good summary of the mid-2000s Boston Celtics. Okay, um, it's fun. Uh, apparently, D. White has also been in the gym, bulking up. Good for him. That's good. I don't know. We always hear these stories. Um Apparently, the former president also in the gym, a, a lean 6'3", 215. Good for him. I Great. mean, seeing seeing Derek getting pushed around by uh, Jimmy Butler, I, I, I understand the impetus behind it. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to bulk enough, bulk up enough for that to matter in that particular matchup, but in general, I think it's going to be good for him. How does it work? Does it go from his hair to his muscles? Is that like the transfer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do wonder that. Like players who have really intense hairdos, if they just like got rid of it, would they be a little more focused or whatever? Um, yeah, I, I want D-White to be as fast as possible. I've never added 15 pounds of muscle in a few months stretch, so I don't know what that looks like, but I would imagine that changes a little bit yeah. your speed. All right. Um, rather than making weird predictions about Derek White's body, let's pivot. We're going to hop into the Celtics lab. Um, we're going to make a few predictions about the Celtics season and awards and superlatives. We're just going to like cast a wide net and see what we come up with. So Trevor, I think we'll go to you first on all of these, but you can have a, you can take a 10 minute monologue or 10 second uh, answer. There's no rules here. And then Justin and I will clean up whatever we think you got wrong. How's that? Um, Let's start with the players and we'll start with awards. Trevor, uh, what is the likelihood that Jason Tatum is uh MVP candidate next season? Like 95%, I would say. But like he's, a but like a real one. Yeah, oh yeah. No, I think he's he's more motivated motivated than ever. He's always been motivated throughout his career, but I feel like after last year it kind of left a sour taste in everyone's mouth. I feel like he'll come back with a vengeance this year. Um and I think it it sets him up for a chance to, you know, really do some damage. I think we were talking about, you know, versatility and kind of the guys that you can you can do a bunch of different things with those bigs. He can even play the four. He could play the five, which I've been thinking about personally. They won't do it, but I would like to see it. Um, I think it works kind of well. Um, and he can just do everything. I think he'll have the ball in his hands a ton. I think he'll complement Porzingis well. I think he'll hit clutch shots and leave the Celtics to a great year. So I personally see him as probably in the top three to five. I think uh, Luka is probably the favorite along with Jokic. Uh, and beads in there, but I would put him in that you know three to five range is really a legitimate contender personally. Huh? Dr. Gwen, don't disagree. I don't know if he's going to win it, 
because adding Porzingis to the mix is going to take his scoring down a little bit, unless he really, really, really takes it up in terms of getting to the line and other little things like that he can do to juice his, his scoring. Uh, but the winning and the schedule that you need for the winning, uh, we haven't really had a chance to talk about the Celtics schedule, but other than the month of March, it's pretty well set up for a narrative. And if they can hold it down through March, then I think that he will really be a top two or three candidate by the end of the season. Yeah, and speaking about narrative, I'd be curious. In some ways, I bet there's fatigue around the trio of Giannis, Embiid, and Jokic, but then they keep like breaking PER records. <laughs> they keep being supremely the best three players in the league. Um, so I do think that, Trevor, your point, like the door is open for a wing-type player to come in, and, and whether it's Luka or like LeBron makes a BS push for it or something. Um, I do think that the, the, like maybe the tides have turned just from like a how interested is the voting block in all of this um Tatum could do it i suppose the the, the timeline for march because they have like 11 road games in the month of march if they like kind of slog through that that could kind of turn it off but then they have yep. a really favorable april so i don't know um let's let's do six man next i think uh, uh, I didn't end up writing about this, so Dr. Quinn, maybe you know. Malcolm Brogdon has like the sixth highest six-man of the year uh, odds with the, the books going into next season, even though we won last year. Trevor, any chance there's a six-man of the year on this roster? There's a chance. I don't think Brogdon will win it again. I feel like it's hard to repeat, especially you know with that. It's, it's to be a sixth man and come in and do the exact same thing he did last year, if not even better. It was kind of a weird situation because... Brogdon played well and he was effective overall, but I feel like most people kind of got, you know, agitated with him at the end. Um, and he probably didn't even play this potential. If you asked him like with truth serum, like how he played, he'd probably give himself like a B or a B plus. And he still won sixth man of the year, but this year I don't, I don't necessarily see it happening just because of his role. I think he's, you know, he's going to be injured for, in my opinion, I don't think he's going to play 82 games. If he does, that would be a nice surprise, but I don't think so. And I think that, you know, if he comes in with Porzingis, with White, with Tatum, with Brown, it's, there's a lot of a lot of people there who are going to get shots. So I see him averaging a little bit, you know, a little bit less than last year, personally. Uh, maybe a couple more assists with Smart Gun, but I don't necessarily see him winning the award again. I think he'll finish in the top five to ten, but not win it, in my opinion. Yeah, I think uh, there might be a sneakier candidate on board, and it depends on if he comes off of the bench or not. And that would be Al Horford. If he does come off the bench, I think he would be in an excellent position to win it. But then, so you have to play 65 games, right? Minimum, yeah. And he's but, I mean, miss... back-to-backs, I don't think he's going to miss. But he's going to miss 14. So, no, but he's going to miss 14. So he's already, de- like, he can only miss He doesn't always miss all the back-to-backs either, or at least he hasn't. So, yeah, the road is fraught. You're not wrong. I just... But going going back to the front court thing, like I, there just aren't enough minutes. Like I I don't think you can pencil Rob or Horford in for more than 60, 65 games. Um, to say nothing of Porzingis. I just I think you can get down to sixty three games or something like that if there are quote unquote reasons. Uh, I don't oh, know I just mean like though. Yeah, I just mean now like rotation stuff. Yeah. Um, I am quite. Tatum at the four, curious, maybe even the five. I mean, that game, what, do you have like 19 rebounds? It just, he, he can play big, but I don't know. Also, he looks huge going back to those workouts. I mean, he looks strong as an ox. Um, he's at least six foot 10 in sneakers. I, I know he's listed as shorter than that, but. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like since they, 
they like make it a big push. They're like, we really measured them this year. I believe the, the heights even less. Okay, let's do some of these. Uh, we'll go a little faster. Um, Trevor, who takes the biggest step forward next year? Um, my heart is saying Prade and Pritchard. My head might be saying Robert Williams. Um, I think Williams, he's only taken, I looked up a stats before this, he's only uh, averaged a maximum of six shots per game. That was the highest he did, he's done ever, um, two years ago. And I think there's no reason he can't take eight to ten. I mean, we've all seen the videos of him taking mid-range jumpers. He's not going to start hitting those five times a game. But if he just takes them occasionally and keeps defenses honest, I think that would go a long way for the Celtics. So Williams is already great, but I still think there's another level he can get to. Um, I think that he has a chance to, you know, really carve out more role for himself this year. If, you know, like we said, if Horford misses some games too, or if Perzingis is injured, et cetera, et cetera. If Rob is actually healthy, which is, of course, a big if, then I think there's a chance for him to kind of take a leap offensively in addition to the great defense and great, you know, pick and roll stuff here at Edo's. Oh, I like that answer. Um, Justin? Yeah, that blew my answer away. Uh, I had Tatum just because of uh, what we've been talking about in terms of him gunning for the MVP. But uh, compared to that, I think I'm sold on Rob being the person. Uh, wild card, Joe Missoula. Um, he's got, he just actually has time to prepare. Let's see what he's got. Also, let's officially shut the word. Can I swear? Are we past monetization? Yeah, yeah, you're good. Shut shit, the shit, fuck shit. up about his team, <laughs> his goddamn timeouts. He takes timeouts uh, differently than consensus. The laziest bit of commentary for way too long. Shut the fuck up about his timeouts, everyone. Passion. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who takes the big step backwards? Sad trombone noise. Trevor? I was thinking about this question beforehand too, and I'm actually, I don't think anyone is going to, to be honest. I don't really have an answer. Like No one's going to be like, oh, they're, they're way worse than last year. I don't really see that happening. Um, honestly, to, to slightly disagree with you, Justin, I would say Al Horford, potentially. Um, I think he's, I don't know, he might he may have reached the peak of his powers. I feel like there's not much he can do that would make him play better. So I think theoretically he could play a bit worse. Um, like if his, if his three point percentage numbers go a bit down, like to the low to mid thirties that I could see that happening. I mean, last year he was on fire for along with Grant for like this weird stretch where he just couldn't miss. And then he cooled down a bit, but I feel like he might take a bit of a step back, which like we said, isn't the end of the world. Cause they do have bigs who are, you know, if they're healthy, they're good. Um, but I think, I think that's kind of my, my vote on maybe someone who takes a slight step back, but not a major one. You've got a good point too, because I mean, astute fans of Al's game note that every midseason he tends to slow down and it, it seems to be whether it's conscious or not I don't know but I mean Anna uh her his his uh sister is aware of it too uh he he drops the intensity for about a month or so uh about a month and a half two months out from the playoffs and if he is doing this consciously which I assume that he is uh he may even end up doing it more so it may not even necessarily be a uh, decline thing so much as a preservation for the postseason thing. I have said before, I'll say it again. I sort of wonder if they'll trade Al Horford. Um, but it's a possibility. Uh, I just, I was on the trade machine today seeing if the Celtics get Kelly Olenek, and there's just not money available for Brad Stevens to move around. Al Horford makes like $10 million this year on what's like functionally an expiring contract. That could be useful if they wanted to upgrade it's that or brogdon um the the thing that is going to take the biggest step backward is the philadelphia 76ers okay um trevor you got an x factor for the celtics next season uh let's see 
I'd probably say Brogdon. I feel like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, he he played pretty well last year, but he could have played better. I feel like when he's playing at like an A minus or A level, the Celtics are basically unbeatable. I mean, maybe the, the Nuggets or whoever else, the Bucks, but not too many teams can beat them. Um, I think when you have that now, now a fourth star, not just the third star, but a guy who can come in and off the bench or whoever, if he starts, um, just, you know, provide offense, defense, passing, rebounding, shooting, defending, pretty much everything. So like I said earlier, I don't think it was his best last year. And I, I think he... He's kind of the the swing guy where if, if he's playing lights out and he's healthy, they're they go they go from great to almost unbeatable in my opinion. Sure. Love it. Uh, Dr. Quinn. Peyton Pritchard. I think that if uh he plays within the role they expect him to, then he could carve himself out a season that will get him paid. But I also think there's a pretty decent chance that he overcompensates for being on the bench so much last year and ends up back on the bench. Yeah, what the hell are these pro him explosions from Pritchard? Why is that not? I know that it's not quite NBA talent, but it's a pro am. It's not just an am. Um, yeah, I, he he reads. I mean, most players need consistent minutes and rhythm. I mean, we saw that with Grant. We saw that with Pritchard. I guess I hope that Missoula has a smoother rotation. But again, because of all these like big men moving in and out of uh, the lineup, that might be hard. Okay, let's do a few more on the players. What were you I'll mention real quick is just Jordan Walsh. We haven't mentioned his name at all. I feel like oh, cool. There's zero pressure on him. If he doesn't play well, no one's going to really care. It's like, oh, he's a rookie, whatever. But he's pretty good. Like, from what I've seen in summer league and in college, I really like his game. So I think there's a slight chance he'll obviously compete with, like, Banton and Brissett and those guys for kind of that ninth, tenth man role. But if he wins the job and he comes in off the bench and gives them seven, eight points a game in his in his, the prime, peak of his powers as a rookie, that's that's pretty good. So nothing to lose there. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I'd also shout out Derek White. I mean, Trevor, your point about Al Horford uh, regressing a little – Derek White might have had his best season as a pro, and maybe that is as good as it gets, or it means he's going to get better. But depending on you know where the arrows pointed there, that could be meaningful. Okay, let's do a few of these. Um, keep them quick, keep them snappy, um, and we'll because we got to talk about <laughs> the coaches and the front office and stuff too. All right, Trevor, fill in the blank. Next season, the best defender on the Boston Celtics will be. Hmm. Robert Williams. Just logically. Yeah. Dr. Quinn. Got the same. I'll say Tatum, but just just to be different. Yeah, um, sure. It's who, will the, who will be the worst defender on the team, Trevor? Uh as a as a scrappy guard who likes to shoot a lot, I'm sorry for this answer, but Peyton Pritchard. <laughs> Justin? I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna cue in on our recent conversation regarding someone else that we hadn't mentioned until fairly recently. And that'll be Jordan Walsh, just because he doesn't really know NBA defenses and I'm sure he'll learn them fast. But for the first half of the season, I expect him to be a mess on that end of the floor, even if his length makes him competent at it. Yeah, it depends. Like if he's only playing in garbage time, he might play against scrubs and it's fine. But if he gets real burned, yeah. Um, I'll say Pritchard as well. Okay. Uh, I'm going to change the language of this. Not biggest surprise breakout, just most surprising season straight up next season. Trevor. I'll say Jalen Brown. We haven't mentioned him much, which is kind of funny. He's the second best player on the second best team in the NBA. So we probably should mention him. Um, I feel like people kind of, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of hate going his way last year, which was pretty much unfair. I mean, game seven at the heat, obviously he was bad. We all know that he would be the first to admit that as he was, but I think it's going to be a big bounce back year for him. Um, I think he he played well, like the vast majority of last year and it, their narrative kind of shifted partially fairly, partially unfairly at the end. 
So I expect him to just kind of go off and be the Jalen we, we've seen over the years. Great. Yeah, if he just learns to pick it, like the whole, you wrote an article about him dribbling left Cameron and how overblown that criticism is. I'm sorry, I'm not being brief here, but it's important to mention that it's really not him dribbling or not dribbling left or hand injury or not hand injury. It's the decision-making that he puts himself in positions where he is more exploitable that he doesn't have to do. And if he avoids that, I think he's going to have the kind of season you're talking about, Trevor. For me, I think it's going to be O'Shea Brissett, uh, just because I don't know if he's really had the kind of opportunity he's going to have. I think they're going to be leaning on him to play three and four this season. So I'm interested to see if he can be kind of like a, a cheaper version of Grant Williams, basically. Yeah, I I think fans should prepare for O'Shea to play a lot of minutes. Um, I'm sticking with Missoula. I think Missoula is going to have a big year. I think the, the I think what happens in the NBA now. I'm not being brief. Is you know you like in bits and spurts hear about there's just like funk in the locker room, but no one ever really hammers it. And then over the summer and the weeks after, it really comes out. And it just sounds like it was not a happy coaching staff and. Uh, there was more tension among the players and the coaches than we realized. And I think this is just like a clean reset. Um, so I'm sticking with Missoula. All right, Trevor, who leads the team in scoring next season? <laughs> Pritchard, no, uh, Tatum. <laughs> uh, Dr. Quinn? Same. Yeah, okay, rebounding. Trevor? That's honestly a tough one. Um, I'll actually say Tatum. Quinn? Interesting. I'm going to go with Rob just because that's the one thing that he can do even when he's not feeling so great. So I think you're going to lean on him a lot for that this season. I think I'm going to go with Tatum too, because I imagine Porzingis is going to be shooting a lot of threes and maybe Tatum will be taking it to the rim more. Um, Who leads the team in assists? This is an interesting one. Trevor. Interesting too. Can Marcus Smart come back and do that? Or how does that work? (laughs) Uh, I'll say Derek White. (laughs) I'm going to be boring. I have Derek White as well. I'm going to say that it's it, – I'm going to say Jalen because I really want that to be the answer. I think the best-case scenario for the Celtics is five guys average three to five assists, and there's not as much as I want there to – huh? I think that was our first hot take, you saying Jalen there. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to – it's the worst take because it's the least likely it. to happen. <laughs> I mean, um, Tatum, I could see just, you know, based on historical precedent of him adding to assist, but sneakily Jalen has been adding to his assist total per game as well. So it's not out of the question. Well, to just be curious is, you know, between Tatum, uh, Porzingis and Brown in recent years, they've all had a usage rate of like 25 to 30%. And so if like water finds its level and it's all 25 to 26% for each of them, Again, unless Tatum like takes the leap and becomes the clear number one, not one A, all three of them are going to have ball handling duties. So hopefully, all three of them also look to pass. Um, I think we'll Derek will, will kind of be like the point guard. Like he's not going to maybe he'll play some too, but he's going to be the guy who's ups his assist average and like gets people involved. He'll score and hit those little floaters and threes too. But I think he's going to be like the point guard who gets assists. In my opinion. Well, Justin, let's put a pin in this. I might want to do a whole episode on how ball handling works for this or like assists and playmaking works for the Celtics next season. Interesting. Okay. Um, also interesting, Trevor, who plays the most games for the Celtics next season? The boring answer is Tatum, but got to go with Tatum. Probably Tatum. Yeah. Justin. Derek man is made of iron. 
Yeah, I guess it's one or both of them. Yeah, that's logically. Um, who plays the least with the no no two way guys are allowed for this, Trevor? Hmm, that's a tricky one because we're kind of just guessing what will happen. Um, I'll I'll just say Porzingis. I don't mean to bash the guy, but just given his history, I just think that something's going to happen. I hope I'm wrong, but you know, potentially. Pritchard. Um, probably Banton. That's my Ooh, answer. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's probably a smarter answer. Well, we'll see. I doubt both Banton and Pritchard on the team by the spring. So, okay. Um, pop, 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 pop. We were supposed to do the same thing for the coaches and the front office, but I'm going to freestyle a little bit. Um, just Trevor, off the jump, what do you think of the new coaching staff? Yeah, it's great. I think that was one of the biggest priorities in the offseason. Like you said, you can improve not just with your players, but with your coaches. So I think last year, Missoula was thrown into the fire and did a pretty admirable job overall. It could have been better. I think he would admit that too. Um, but I think he, he did a, he did a fair a fair job considering the circumstances, not just you know the the uh, Udoka stuff, but also just the the injuries and the, the ups and downs of the regular season and the postseason. There was a lot that was thrown his way right away. So I think he did a great job. And like you said, I think he'll take a leap this year. But I think having those guys, you know, come in by his side, uh, Cassell's a great addition. I really feel like that will, you know, compliment, he'll compliment, they'll accompany each other well. They're both kind of spunky and fiery guards who like to like get after you and, you know, move the ball and like shoot threes. So I think it will, they'll work well together. And I just think it's a good, uh, good leap they'll take collectively as a staff this year, in my opinion. Dr. Quinn, do you think any of these guys are a risk of being hired as a head coach somewhere midseason? I think both Charles Lee and Cassell are, but I think Lee's probably more likely to get the job. I think uh, Cassell we, midseason. Sure. Oh God, no! I have. I don't think anybody's changing uh, jobs midseason. I mean, that happens. We saw it happen last season in Atlanta, but no, not midseason. But at the end of the season, yeah, I think both of them are are very likely uh, going to be plucked out of the the, the bus and. Uh, orbit shall we say by the end of the season but no i don't expect anybody to be gone mid-season well okay let me get to that in a second i would like oh um, god i know where you're going i mean you wrote it down um i would like for joe missoula to take a player or two i mean he's only 35 so it's kind of difficult but he's got to start building his own you know coaching prodigies because otherwise it's just gonna be a revolving door of more established assistants assisting him speaking of which I think that not only I think Joe Missoula is going to do fine, but the Celtics are going to do fine. There's the suggestion that Missoula is on the hot seat is a fickle one, and he just signed a contract extension. However, Trevor can't take anything for granted in the NBA. What would it take for Joe Missoula to be authentically on the hot seat? Not like, you know, it's December and we don't have that much to talk about, so let's pretend he's on the hot seat, but like truly, what would it take for Joe Missoula to be on the hot seat? Uh, yeah, I don't think it would happen anything with the regular season because I, I don't think there's any chance they finish below 500. It, it was something that has to go dramatically wrong for that to happen. So, you know, assuming they make the playoffs and all is well in the world, I think it would have to be like a like a heat bucks kind of thing. Like if the Celtics get the one and lose to like whoever, like the Nets or some random team, the Magic, whoever it is, uh, then I would think he would be on the hot seat. But I don't anticipate that happening in any way, shape or form. So I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I think uh, it would take non-injury related dysfunction, keeping them around 500 to the deadline or worse for him to really be on the hot seat in the regular season. And like you said, I just, it would be a disaster of historic really proportions for a team this talented to do that bad without injury being involved. Yeah. To save some sort of scandal. I think that that uh, wouldn't happen. And it also sets up the next question, which is 
what would happen to the team if, uh, if Brad Stevens was on the hot seat? And I'll shape that a little more clearly for you, Trevor. But the reason I connect the two is I think if the Celtics, you know, were 500 at the trade deadline, it would be because this roster is funky. And I've said before, you know, I think this Porzingis thing isn't a Hail Mary, but like it could make or break Brad Stevens' reputation a little bit. Um, so Trevor, I'll pose it to you in the next six to, I don't know, 24 months. Do you see Brad Stevens actually on the hot seat at all? I don't think so. Partially because I do think the Celtics will win a championship within the next two years. Um, you know, Great. I think <laughs> the only things that would happen for, you know, him to be on the hot seat would be if like the point guard situation really backfires. Like, like you said, if Derek White does kind of take a step back or, or if they, we really, you know, we really noticed that depth where they don't, they don't have smart. They don't have the other guys they had in the past and it things kind of backfire in that regard, which I don't think will happen, but that could happen. Or like you said, if Porzingis, you know, gets injured and kind of plays like 16 games and doesn't really show up in the playoffs, then that could kind of, you know, go downhill, but I don't think either of those things will happen, but I think that would be kind of the, those are the two pivotal turning points in terms of what potentially could yield that path. Yeah, I don't really I think... see a path from being on the hot seat uh, within the next season. Maybe beyond that. I mean, again, it would take something utterly catastrophic in terms of chemistry. I mean, even if even if Porzingis was injured, I think it might put him on the hot seat with fans, but I don't think it would put him on the hot seat with management, which is really what matters. Yeah, and I think between the Odoka stuff and signing Jalen, stability is important. And we're, we're so spoiled covering the Celtics. Like, again, the Sixers haven't been to a conference final since 2001 or whatever it is. And so if Boston keeps going to conference finals or, you know, they have a strong bid in the second round. It feels disappointing as a Celtics fan, but like historically and across the league, that's a really good outcome. So I I can't, I don't think at all there is a world where Missoula and Stevens aren't it, one or both of them aren't here for a while. It would feel impossible for me that, for them to change coach and then later change GM. So even in the nuclear option, one of them is sticking around, but I don't think any of us actually agree that the, uh, things are going to change big time. Yeah, it's like a double-edged sword. It's like a double-edged sword. They're so far in that the expectation is championship, but then when you don't win a championship, it's like, hmm, like they have they've been this this you know close for so long, they still don't have one. But at the same time, they're that close every year, so getting rid of key pieces to that would be kind of silly, in my opinion. Winning championships is hard. Charles Barkley, Chris Paul. I mean, there's so many all-time greats who never won a title. So, I mean, we can flip out about things going wrong, but like the question is really more, are they doing their job the right way and controlling the things they can't control? As nervous as I am about this Kristaps Porzingis, I'll admit it, experiment, uh, they're not doing objectively bad moves here they're making very logical moves and i think there's a very good chance that they're going to pay off in the way that you suggested trevor uh the year is 20 what is it 2023 it's 2026 of the these three people who does or does not work for the boston celtics jalen brown joe Missoula, and brad stevens trevor hmm. interesting question um i would say joe Missoula is probably the most likely um I think, you know, the fact that they invested in Jalen kind of means that he won't necessarily stay after this, but he probably will, in my opinion, because like I said, I do think they will win a ring. And then once they get one, then it's like, all right, they're kind of in it for the long haul, long haul. Um, I think Brad's not going anywhere. I think Missoula will probably stay too, but if I had to choose one of those three, I'd probably say him. 
I would go with Jalen just because he would be one of the easier chips to move for any eventuality, whether they want to get under the second apron and stay under the second apron after uh, Tatum's contract kicks in, whether they want to continue adding a different look to the team. There's a lot of different ways where Jalen Brown, in my opinion, barring and even in a potential disaster situation where he might be the thing that ends up moving. I'd curious if Boston gets the 2026 all-star game, if that would change the the answer a little bit, if it's like, well, we can't trade Jalen two months before we host an all-star game. Or if it's like, what if we trade Jalen and then Jason Tatum is like the king of the all-star game, but um, it's still 2023. So we'll put a pit in that one. <laughs> we can revisit this. Okay. A few more things uh, related to the schedule. Um, well, we'll talk about it briefly and then we'll kind of, we'll do extra quick answers to get you out of here, Trevor. Um, we haven't, again, we haven't really talked about the schedule. There's a few interesting stretches. Trevor, anything from the regular season schedule jump out at you? Yeah, I took a look earlier today. I noticed the stretch in late December leading up to the Lakers game where they have four games in a row on the road. That's kind of a tough stretch. I had that too. Dang you. <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah, one. Yep. Um, so I think if you go two and two, it doesn't really matter. That's totally fine. But if you go 0 and 4, then that kind of leads to like, hmm, is this really working? So I expect them to be fine. But if that that's one to keep an eye on. Justin, do you have any others? Nah. I mean, like, you could look at March. There, there's two hard stretches with, like, a little a little respite in between. But, I mean, other than that, the rest of the season is surprisingly light in terms of strength of schedule. Yeah, January looks extra delicious if you're a Celtics fan. Or April. I think those are the two. That's when they get big Good fat months. Streaks. Yeah, Good months. Yeah. Um, I haven't asked either of you. Do you care about the end-season tournament? Something to, you know, give me something to write about when I would normally be like, this is a game. This is what happened. Next. Trevor, do you care? I'm interested by it because I feel like they need something to play for. I mean, they have the money, but like in terms of like, like, what does it really mean? Like, I feel like the, I was contemplating like in my head, like, could the, could the winner automatically clinch a playoff berth? But then I realized that's not going to work. Um, but like something like that to give them some incentive, like, will this actually be like an intense March Madness like tournament? It's not going to be March Madness, but in terms of the, the feel of like, will it, will it be fun? Um, I think the answer is no, honestly, right away. But I feel like as teams get more into it, then it could be more and more fun. Like the first year is pretty good. The second year is better. The third year. Okay. This is actually pretty good. So, but basketball is basketball. So it works for me. It's also pretty popular in the WNBA or a version of it. I'm not sure if it's exactly yeah. the same, but it's pretty similar. Yeah. I, it, it depends. Like we kind of all just have to like plug our nose and plow through so that like five years from now it has cachet and like historical uh, value. But I just like, I can't get my, I just can't, I don't care. I can't get myself to care. And they call it the in-season tournament. Like it, the, it, it's so bland. Um, so yeah, Tre- Trevor, your point, it might be fun if the players are like really into it or uh, you know, if the, the first final matchup is, between rivals or something but man just like looking at the schedule i just i couldn't get myself excited about it at all so locked on celtics john corrales is a big champion of this idea and it's so easy to implement i don't know how they haven't and that's the nba belt if you aren't familiar Mm -hmm. it's whoever wins the title in a season holds the nba belt and then the first game they lose in the regular season that nba belt wrestling style passes to the next team that wins against them 
not for a title or anything like that, not in the playoffs, just each game of the season, whoever wins the game carries the NBA belt through the season. It's stupid. It's small, but I think it's fun. So they should add that. I would, I would be so down if the player of the week got, got a belt or something. Like if there was, we just um, need more belts in the NBA or any belts. Well, no, I mean like their trophies are very classy, which I respect. Um, but part of, like, I don't know what the in-season tournament trophy looks like, but, like, I'm already anticipating not being interested in it. And if it was, like, tangible or it moved or, like, the players were really pumped about it, I don't know. We'll see. Like, if, you know, you win the in-season tournament and I, like, interview the owner first, I'm just, I don't know. Anyways, that Maybe was not on our... I mean, it's like karate, like you level up, like you get a you know yellow belt and a brown belt, and then they they're like, oh, how are the, how are the wife and kids? Oh, they're pretty good. And then, oh, what belt are you up to? A brown belt now, like, oh, yeah. I kind of like that. Yeah, I don't know. I, maybe the NBA has stuff up their sleeve that they haven't told us about, but I kind of suspect they don't. Anyways, <laughs> okay, rapid fire stuff, and then Trevor, uh, that'll be that. What is Boston's final record this upcoming season, Trevor? Say 58 and 24. 59-23. 54 and however many losses. I think that they're going to take their time a little bit. Um, so sort of your answers have to code for the following, but what playoff seed to the Celtics land, Trevor? Uh, I think it'll be two, like last year. Bucks get the one. The Bucks are kind of like upset with everything with, with life right now. They're like, we're still the Bucks, um, but Celtics get the two, same as last year and all, all as well. I think you're right about the Bucks, but I, I think the Bucks' opinion of themselves and their motivations are not going to be as much for the aging of the team. They made some decent moves. I don't think it's enough uh, to compete with the Celtics. I think the Celtics, because of their schedule, even if they do rest, even if they do have some front court players missing some time, I think they're just going to walk into the one seed unless we see a significant change in the order of the East with a certain player uh, in the Western Conference making his way East. Uh, also, don't, don't sleep on the Cavs as well. I don't think they'll get the one seed, but they're really good. Yeah. Yeah, part of me thinks like, oh, the Sixers are kaput and maybe the Heat or something like kaput and maybe Giannis just asked for a trade from the Bucks. I mean, he didn't, but that New York Times article. There's, there, yeah, there's, there's that's not even the only, there's a couple things out this week that uh, are hinting that Giannis is not so happy. And uh, Giannis not being happy is part of the calculus but he, between me not being a believer in the Bucks this season. Like, it could go right, but, like, if it does, it's going to be a big workload on him. And he doesn't seem to be uh, thrilled about that prospect, shall we say? Yeah, so then it's like, well, this is supposed to be rapid fire. (laughs) The Celtics, (laughs) I don't think, are going to feel so much pressure to win every game. And, you know, the the West is really good. It's fair. But also, I don't don't know what's good with the East. Yeah, they could be. I think they could win 54 games and still be the two seed or something like that. We'll see. Um, Pop, 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 pop. Trevor, how far does Boston go in the postseason? I've gone back and forth on this. I could see a bunch of different things happening. I think winning it all, I think going to the finals, Eastern Conference finals are all, you know, possible. I don't think it'll be anything less than that. But my head is probably telling me they make it to the finals and lose to the Nuggets. I'm not going to go so far as to predict uh, whether they win or lose the finals, but I'm pretty sure they're going to get back to the finals because, again, I just, barring a Damian Lillard trade to the Eastern conference. Uh, and even then, um, if it's with the Miami heat, I am less confident. I've actually, I'm just going to say this, that I think that there is some convoluted path where he could end up on the 76ers. If 
Daryl Morey believes this is his one good shot to get a title. I don't think that that core is going to be very good for the future. Uh, but for the present, yeah, they would be a real, like, Embiid and Lillard on the same team. It would be pretty hard to pull off. But I think that there is something that's possible. And if something like that happened, I think it could change the calculus of the East significantly. I'm not even sure that it would be a serious threat to Boston because it would have to go out of a trade uh, for Lillard for Miami to upset the Celtics getting back to the finals. So for me, it's, it's finals or bust, uh, you know, injury obviously could complicate that. Lots of things can complicate these things, but I think there's a pretty good chance. I'll just say they're going to go to the finals so we can end on a positive note. Um, so congratulations to the Boston Celtics for their return to the NBA finals. Trevor, tell the people what you're working on and where they can find you. Uh, so my name is Trevor Hass, which you probably know by now. Um, I write for the Globe and Boston.com. Um, I cover a lot of different things from high school to college to pro sports. Um, I write for Celtics blog, covering the Celtics, uh, go to some games as well, see Cameron there. It's always a good time. Uh, so yeah, Trevor Hass on Twitter. Thank you that's... in advance for voting the Yukon Huskies, the number one team in the nation. You got it. <laughs> um, how's Pitt looking? decent <laughs> that's the, that's the pittsburgh panther way all right this episode of the celtics Lab podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the clns media network trevor i i don't know if i'll see a training camp because it depends on my school schedule but i actually if yeah um i get one fewer jewish holiday this year because rosh hashanah is over the weekend so i'm really walking a tightrope on that one but i will see you before long i'm sure justin I'll see you sometime next week, everyone else. I'll see, you, I'll see you at a restaurant. Cameron and I ran into each other at a restaurant. That was pretty funny. Oh, yeah, that was true. Yeah. I, I, no one else, no one at my table wanted to talk about the Celtics. So it's, <laughs> it's good to see you. Um, yeah, and um, we we go to the same deli in Brookline. Um, just right next, were you at the Brookline Monolas or the one in Ken- Kendall's Kendall? Park. Oh, yeah, Kendall. interesting. Yep. Oh, okay. I was going to recommend a restaurant, but now I'm like, if you're ever at this side of the river, uh, the Greek place that just opened up right next to Mama's. Send me a deli. We don't have enough of them in Mexico City. I'm sure they exist, but I haven't found one yet. Okay. We're working on it. All right. Until Thank then, you. thanks for listening. Like and subscribe, and we'll catch you later. Adios.